Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I would like to welcome our next storyteller, Lindsay Brown, who is sharing a story about how sometimes it's worth breaking your own rules. Please welcome Lindsay. The cardinal rule for ministry, as I learned it from my teaching pastor way back on internship, is a pithy, alliterative, four-word phrase that I can't actually say out loud here tonight. It starts with don't, and it ends with the flock, as in don't the flock. (laughs) Now, this rule was both very literal, just don't do it, And also metaphorical, like a lot of caregiving professions, medicine, psychology, social work, good ethics in ministry say make sure you're getting your personal needs met elsewhere. That's not what the flock is for. (laughs) Now, this was not a hard rule to follow when I lived in Chicago as a student. I had a close circle of friends and the dating pool was huge. It got a little more challenging when I answered the call to serve a rural Iowa parish where everyone in town, whether they were a church member or not, knew me as Pastor Lindsay. Within three weeks of my arrival, people were coming up to me saying things like, we've got to get you married to a landed farmer so you never leave. (laughs) They had not gotten the memo about me and the flock. I have this visceral memory of sitting in the back seat of a Buick sedan surrounded by a cadre of beloved white-haired church ladies. We were on our way to a neighboring church function, and as we drove, we passed the house that everyone knew belonged to the most eligible bachelor farmer in the area. And almost as though all of those women's heads were tied to the same string, they all turned to look toward it at the same moment. And it was all I could do not to say out loud, stop thinking so loudly in my direction. (laughs) My little flock's desire to care for my personal life was a mixture of endearing and aggravating, but it definitely didn't follow the rule. So I decided to take things into my own hands. I joined OkCupid. Now this brought about the first dilemma. Should I list my profession or not? Because let's be honest, everybody has religious baggage. You know you do. (laughs) And how inclined would you be to send a flirty first message to uh, a woman with pastor next to her picture on a dating app? (laughs) I decided to describe what I do. I write, I sing, I teach children and tell stories and build community, all true and vague. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually, I would have to come out and own my work as a pastor, and it was never not awkward. 
And usually it elicited one of three responses. The first was the immediate shutdown, like pastor, nope. It was as though I could see elevator doors closing behind a guy's eyes and I was racing against time like, no, if you just got to know me, you might like me. (laughs) Response number one. The second response was the religious mansplainer. Oh, you're a pastor. Well, let me tell you everything I know about your religion and about all world religions, and maybe also, as a bonus, why it's all crap. (laughs) Delightful. The third response was the fellow who had never heard of progressive theology before meeting me and so looked at me like I was some sort of unicorn beamed down from on high, sent specifically to rescue his lost faith from the trash heap. He'd be like, tell me more. And I was thinking, dang, I got cute because I thought I was going on a date and this guy doesn't know it, but he needs a pastor. (laughs) I was in a bind. I loved my little flock, and I also felt deeply called to partnership, and that just wasn't happening where I was. And it was getting harder. It was getting harder to bless other people's marriages. It was getting harder to baptize other people's babies. It was getting harder to lay to rest other people's parents after hearing and then telling the stories at the funeral about how their love bloomed in the days when people met dancing at the surf ballroom. So... After a little over five years serving in that small community, when the opportunity to answer a call in Des Moines presented itself, I jumped. A metro area literally a thousand times larger than where I had been living would mean ample new opportunities for ministry and a personal life with a great big buffer in between. Thus, a new Bumble profile was born. This one said that I was a minister, it's who I am, it's what I do, people can deal. There was swiping, there was messaging, there was a coffee date set. And that was how I found myself seated across the table from a fellow with twinkly eyes who smiled with his whole face on the afternoon of the Women's March 2017 edition. After the, oh yeah. After the kind of obligatory pleasantries and introductions, he leaned in and said, so you're a minister at Plymouth, right? And I froze. Alarm bells started going off in my head. My profile said that I was a minister, but it didn't say where. (laughs) Had this guy been sitting in the pews? Flock! been swiping right for me? And I didn't know if this was better or worse. Had they been swiping left? Flock, flock, flock. (laughs) He saw the panic in my eyes and he talked me down. He had not, in fact, been sitting in the pews. But his mom was kind of active. (laughs) I thought, okay, buddy, let's just see if this goes anywhere before we bring your mom into it. (laughs) But it did. It was a great first date. We kept each other laughing all afternoon. He asked great questions. And pro tip, if you want to impress a woman, don't just tell her what you know. Ask her about what she knows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I felt interesting and funny and interested. And when he caught me glancing at my watch because I literally had to preach later that day, he asked me, is this going okay? It was. <laughs> I gave him a hug and my number and I hurried off to church. There in my office, heart still fluttery, curiosity got the better of me. When he'd mentioned his mom's name, like, out of context and in my fluster, it hadn't registered. But now I had a quiet moment in the church photo directory, and I thought, I wonder if I recognize this guy's mom. <laughs> Flock! <laughs> Not only did I recognize her, I knew her, because she was the church's moderator-elect. And for those of you who don't know church jargon, basically what that means is that she was next in line to be grand potentate of the organization. She was like the top dog volunteer of an organization of thousands. She wasn't just kind of active, she was very active. I saw her at least weekly for worship, for meetings. I liked her, I respected her, and I happened to know from conversation I had had with her that in her professional life she was a judge. <laughs> and wait, if he knew that I was a minister at Plymouth because of his mom, did she know that I had been on a date with her son? It was too much. I was, I was just going to put the personal life over here on the shelf. I had a job to do. I had to preach a sermon. I was going to get my head in the game and be very professional and go down to worship. But then there she was <laughs> at the Saturday night service. What was she doing there? Didn't she usually attend on Sunday mornings? Did she know? Oh my God, she totally knows. I cannot make eye contact. This is not what I had in mind when I imagined personal over here and professional over here with a big old buffer in between. But I can count on one hand the number of truly great first dates I've ever been on. So I decided to have some conversations. First with some friends to freak out about a great first date and boundaries. <laughs> Next, with a trusted colleague to learn a little bit more about the etiquette of dating around a large congregation. I learned, for example, that I was neither the first staff person nor likely to be the last to date, at least within a degree of the congregation. And finally, with him. Did his mom know? Yes. He may have mentioned in passing that he had a bumble date set up with a minister. What a lark! <laughs> and a good hunch told her it was me. <laughs> Did he understand the bind this could put me in? That while in a very public profession, I'm actually usually a pretty private person and I needed the two things to stay as separate as possible for as long as possible while we figured things out. He understood. So did his mom. She'd be discreet. She is a judge after all. <laughs> and that was all I could do until I had more information, which required a second date, which led to another and another and another, which eventually led to an awkward conversation with my boss. So this is 
pretty personal, but I just wanted to keep things 100% above board and let you know before I start spending any extracurricular time with the moderator-elect that I'm dating her son. Hot damn, Brown, dating the boss's son. <laughs> that was his first response. Thankfully, immediately followed by, thank you for letting me know, Lindsay. Also, we need never speak of this again because you report to me, not to her committees, all is well. Phew. <laughs> As time passed, I started to relax more into the reality that was and is my life. <laughs> we kept going on dates, and he kept asking me great questions and smiling at me with his whole face. We fell in love. We started talking about the future, and a little over a year ago, we closed on a house, and then the next night, underneath the lights of a Christmas tree he'd set up for the occasion, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They thought I might fool you if I put it on the other hand. <laughs> I said yes. <laughs> and we are about uh, four months into this husband-wife thing. And I could not imagine a better partner. Life is good. Love is good. Yeah, yeah. You can applaud for love. <laughs> and I think about this whole saga. Dating is hard. Dating as a woman in a position of authority is not easier. I'm actually really grateful that my mother-in-law is a judge. She set an extraordinary example for her son because not only is Lucas just like unfazed by women in positions of authority, he kind of expects it. So thanks, Donna. <laughs> and I, I also th I think about God. At least that's what I call her. You can call her the universe or whatever. Anyway, I think she's got a great sense of humor because I can just kind of see her shaking her head and laughing at me. Because for so long, I tried so hard to keep the parts of my life separate, as though the whole point of ministry was to follow that cardinal rule to the letter, when really the whole point of ministry is just to love and be loved within appropriate ethical boundaries, of course. <laughs> I had the boundaries part down cold, but I almost missed out on the love part, taking care of other people's lives while almost missing my own. It's another Saturday night, and I am preaching again. And this time, I know to expect my mother-in-law and my father-in-law and my occasionally pew-sitting husband because they just want to be there to support me, and we're going to go grab dinner afterwards. The Venn diagram of my personal and professional life has way more overlap than I ever expected. But it turns out that's okay, because I can live the spirit of that cardinal rule without martyring myself to the letter. Don't the flock. I won't. <laughs> Not ever, never, ever. Um, but nobody ever said anything about flock adjacent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>